for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We hope you can join us to celebrate Reformation Day 2021 on October 30th in Louisville, Kentucky. The Mid-America Reformed Baptist Association of Churches invites you to a one-day conference featuring Pastor Sam Waldron, Ron Miller, and Ben Carlson, who will be speaking on Solus Christus, or the Doctrine of Salvation by Christ Alone. To learn how you can attend in person or via live stream, visit marbach.org slash Christalone. You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. When I introduced you to Benjamin Keach many months ago, I mentioned that he wrote a number of books, about 43, in fact. He was probably the particular Baptist pastor who published the most. Two of these books have largely stayed in print for 300 years. Those are his book on the parables and his books on the figures of speech in the Bible. It's this latter work that I want to recommend to you by giving a short reading from his section on comparisons or metaphors. The book's official title is Tropologia, or A Key to Scripture Metaphors. Keach and Thomas DeLon wrote this massive two-volume work that not only explained how various figures of speech work in Scripture, but then went about the task of demonstrating that with hundreds of examples. So this is rich soil for growing biblical sermons. For example, Keach explains how a river is like and unlike the Holy Spirit. He lists specific scripture texts, explains the metaphor, and then how the Spirit parallels the picture. This is a wonderful asset to have when expounding any of these concepts or verses. It will expand and enrich your preaching using biblical materials. He goes on with this single comparison for six large pages, giving inferences, parallels, and differences, and then even motives. All of this was preached to his congregation and then published. In studying any book dealing with metaphors, similes, allegories, and types, there will be times you may consider that the writer has perhaps gone beyond Scripture. Keach occasionally does this, in my judgment, But in our rationalistic age, too often I suspect that we miss the fullness of meaning found in Scripture. So Keech's metaphors will be an excellent counterbalance to that. I urge you to find and use this suggestive work. Now listen to some of Keech's comparison of a river with the Spirit of God. Psalm 46.4, There is a river the streams whereof make glad the city of God. John 7.38, He that believeth out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Revelation 22.1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, as clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb, etc. First, the metaphor. Every river has a proper head or fountain from whence 
it proceeds. What is the parallel? The Holy Spirit is said to proceed from the Father. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. It proceeds out of the throne of God and the Lamb. Secondly, in regard to the metaphor, he says, a river has much water in it. A cistern or vessel will contain small quantities. Some rivers contain abundance and can never be emptied. What is the parallel to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is called a river to denote that fullness of the water of life which is in it, the abundance of heavenly blessings that flow from it. All of the godly in all ages from the beginning of the world have been supplied from this river. Thousands and ten thousands have drawn out of it, have been filled with it, have had their measures of it, as God in his wisdom saw good to communicate to them. Yea, and our blessed Savior received it without measure. And yet the river is as full as ever in itself. There is no emptying of it. Thirdly about the river, he says, a river lieth open and free to all. Every man that passes by makes use of a river if he needs it. Fountains and conduits are many times sealed or locked up and hard to come at. But a river freely sends forth its streams. They run continually. They never cease, day or night. The parallel is this. The Holy Spirit is a river that lieth open to all poor sinners. Whoever will may come to these waters. None are forbidden. No restraint is laid on any soul that desires to have them. I will give freely to him that is thirsty, even the waters of life. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters. The fourth part of the metaphor. Many rivers are very deep. Although in some places they may be so shallow that a man may wade in them, yet in some other places they are mighty deep and dangerous, so that none dare adventure into them. And so he says about the Holy Spirit, This spiritual river is wonderful deep. There is no searching out the depths thereof. He quotes Romans 8.27, Who knows the mind of the Spirit? But he that searcheth all things. The purposes, decrees, and secret ways of the Spirit are unknown to men in many respects, though some of his ways, influences, and operations are discernible. Believers may adventure a little way as far as their bounds and limits permit them, but we must not pry too curiously into the depths of God. He having set bounds by the word how far we should go. And let all take heed on their peril that they adventure no further. Next, he says, perhaps to our surprise, Fifthly, a river is the proper element of fishes and many living creatures. They are produced by it and live in it. The Holy Spirit is the proper element of all true believers. They are born by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and walk in the Spirit. And ministers are fishers of men. See the parable of the net. Next, he reminds his hearers that a river is good to wash in, to cleanse, purge, and carry away filth and noxious pollution. The parallel is obvious. 
This river is good to wash, purge, and carry away filth, and all abominable pollution of sin, both in souls, churches, and nations, where the water of this river of the Spirit runs. He quotes 1 Corinthians 6.11, Such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Next, he says, the river has its banks to keep it in its proper bounds and make it run in its own channel, by which means people know where to go and if they would partake of the benefit of its waters. His seventh parallel with the Holy Spirit then says this, the Spirit has its proper bounds and always runs in its spiritual channel, namely the word and ordinances, God's public and private worship. And there all must have recourse who would receive the precious and glorious blessings and benefits thereof. If you would have these sacred waters, you must observe the channel where this water runs. Where I record my name, I will come unto you and will bless you. When the disciples were assembled together, they met with the Spirit, that being their duty, and Christ's institution. Next, he says, some rivers overflow their banks at some certain times and greatly enrich the soil and make it fruitful, as particularly the River Nile in Egypt. The spiritual river has several times overflowed, there being a redundancy of water in it. Great multitudes have been marvelously watered and made fat and fruitful in a sudden and will again when the time has come. God sometimes extends mercies and gospel blessings beyond his usual method. Being a free agent, if he pleases, he anticipates his own order, and he has promised to open rivers in the desert. And it may come to pass in that day, quoting Isaiah 27, that the Lord shall bear off from the channel of the river into the stream of Egypt. God meets with some as he met with Paul, who was running from him. The scripture speaks of a time when the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. In that day, this river shall overflow and cover the whole world. There shall be on every high mountain and on every high hill rivers and streams of water. I will open rivers upon high places. Do you see how he isn't so much expanding beyond scripture, but he knows his Bible so well that he is drawing out scriptural parallels most of us simply would have never thought of. This is just some of those metaphors and uses from the first two pages. As I said, he goes on for six pages this way. He also includes some differences. That is, there's a comparison of unlikeness. For example, all earthly and elementary rivers have a beginning, but this river, the Spirit, is from everlasting to everlasting, without beginning and without ending. Secondly, other rivers are fed by springs or fountains, but this river, the Spirit, is a fountain as well as a stream. Though it is said to proceed from God, yet it is God himself. Thirdly, other rivers are subject to decay, 
They don't always run with the same strength. But this river, the Spirit, never decays. It has as much water in it as ever it had. It is as broad, as deep, as full now as it was at the beginning, though many thousands have taken plentifully of it. Well, I hope this comparison of the river to the Spirit in just a very small measure will whet your thirst for Keech and the metaphors and some of the biblical richness from our 17th century particular Baptist brothers. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace. Thank you.